Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. So the Oilers bought out Sakura. And uh, a lot of unhappy fans, again, just like the Broberg draft pick. Man, Oilers fans are unhappy these days. Um, This one, I I did a quick Twitter poll on whether the buyout's a good idea and it's close. Um, more fans than not think it wasn't a good idea to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I voted. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's still early, of course, because if the orders don't use this cap space, like they didn't use the Benoit Pouliot cap space, this is a big mess. Yeah, and that's a distinct possibility, right? We heard they were in on Brett Connolly, but he might not be coming here, and Jonas Donskoy, but he might not be coming here. Anyway, we'll go. We'll, today, we're just going to talk about this buyout. And what's your initial reaction? Well, first of all, I'd like to raise a hockey mug to Andre Sekera, a personal favorite of mine. And uh, I enjoyed watching him as an oiler for uh, two years. And I grieved with a, a lost two years to injury that r- really seriously crushed the Oilers as a team, missing the player that had been. Adnery Sekera these last two years, and they were unable to replace him and uh, missed him badly. And the unfortunate outcome of uh, leaving the manager between a rock and a hard place in terms of uh, trying to find residual value in a huge cap hit of $5.5 million uh, on a player who, uh, when he did return from injury last year as a uh, uh, decent as he looked superficially, was heavily, heavily sheltered um, uh, to almost the degree that a rookie would be uh, in terms of how, how he was used during the end uh, stages of the season and the hard decision that had to be made. And He played about 15 minutes a night against soft competition. Mm-hmm. He did very well in that role. And there was... I think a reasonable expectation that he could maybe step up and play in a top four role mm-hmm. next year. The problem is this, Bruce. There's a, so there's all these kinds of moving balls. The, the owners have too many players on defense. They they absolutely had to move out a veteran player. You can't keep going like this is this wasn't a great defense to start with, mm-hmm. and you, and they needed turnover. They need more puck movers now. Sekaret, it happens was was probably the single best puck moving defenseman at least. Uh, um, he had been certainly the best, but you know we we don't know how he would have done in a, in a higher role. I think he would have been okay, but could he defend in that role or not? That's the question. Anyway, they had to move somebody out. the The, the best thing that could have happened is they moved out Sekera or Russell, the two two very high paid veteran players who are older, the the natural candidates to get moved out and retain some salary and um, move them out that way. The benefit of that is you, you retain the salary for the next two years, but um, you don't get a big cap penalty in year right. three and four after, afterwards, which is what happens in a buyout. So now the Oilers have this huge cap penalty of $1.5 million a year, not this year or next year, but in the two seasons following that against their cap. Yep. And that hurts them down the road quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, just like the Benoit Pouliot um buyout continues to to hurt the Oilers right now against the cap so that said though they Bruce they had to move out a defenseman and they needed cap space 
mm-hmm. when you add those two things together, the, the one guy that made the most sense by far was Sekera. Moving him out, you get an extra, um, what is it, uh, five, five million in cap space the next two years? Three million this year, three million next year, six so million. six million. And I think for with our, Russell, it's just the total of four just, million. It was just one year where there was significant savings on Russell of three million. Then next year, he's got a bonus due, and his actual salary is lower, meaning that the buyout is less, meaning the savings are less. It's kind of a convoluted process, but... Uh, uh, with uh, basically, it comes down to two years of three million dollars savings, uh, Sekra versus just one for Russell, with a very similar sort of two-year residual uh, due on the player. I think in Russell's case, it would have been a million or so for the last extra two years, as opposed to one point five. So okay, so, so so you need to move out of veteran defenseman, mm-hmm. right, to make make space for Caleb Jones, who's clearly ready to play, and maybe Logason and Yul Person. So you need to move out at least one guy. So check, they've done that. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You needed to move out because the cap was lower than expected. You needed yeah. to, you needed more cap space. So check, that's mm-hmm. that's done too. So there's two things that were accomplished today. The, the downsides are you didn't do that at you didn't do that as perfectly as one might have hoped. You didn't trade away Sekera or Russell and retain right. salary. That would have been the best bet by far, and Holland would have got an A plus if he could have done that, Bruce, but he was unable to do that. So what does that say? Now, some people are saying, well, what I'm re- is Holland's just not able to make trades. He, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, he can't make trades. But it seems to me, Bruce, that if you're going to buy that line of reasoning, you have to accept two things. You have to accept that, A, Holland maybe isn't very good at making trades. So maybe we can accept that, right? Maybe that's maybe that's the record. But then you have to also accept that Andre Sekera is out there on the market at half price, $2.5 million dollars. And every other GM knows this, right. but they refuse. So yep. if it was a bad move not to make that, they're all in, all those other GMs are incompetent as well because they've assessed Sekera at that amount of money, 2.75 million per year. And they haven't, they haven't bought him. So if you think this is a total screw up on Holland's part, I think you also have to accept this is a total screw up of every other GM out there as well, logically. And I don't think, so what I think is the clear message is the market for Sekera isn't $2.75 oh, million per year for the next two years. That's, that's why the Oilers couldn't move them. That's the only reasonable, I think it's like, honestly, it's the only reasonable interpretation is Holland tried to move this player. Of course he did. He was unable to do that because Sekera wasn't valued that way by other GMs. Does that make sense to you, Bruce? Yeah. Oh Yeah. I, I was in a DM conversation with a friend who was making this point, saying Oilers, questioning Oilers fans who thought Holland didn't try and trade the guy. And I wrote back in all caps, of course he tried to trade the guy. I mean, there's no other possible scenario that makes any sense whatever that he tried. But even a $2.75 million, a 33-year-old defenseman with now a, 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 a unfortunately grievous history of injury, uh, that's cost him his last two seasons. Uh, if you're a GM, you say, well, they'll buy him out and I can probably pick the guy up for a 1.5 on the open market. Or, you know, there's there's multiple uh, scenarios. Uh, so what do you but, think he gets at most, Bruce, now? So I think I think a team would be wise to sign Sekera. What yeah. do you think he's worth? What would you, like, if you were recommending to the GM of the other team, what's the most you'd, let's say there's even a little bidding war for Sekera, which I think is entirely possible. What would you say? What's the highest we're going to go? 
Uh, two million, maybe on and a year, one year, uh, one year, one year would be that would be the other thing, not two years, but but give them a year and see uh, see what's left. I, I think there's a strong possibility Frankie winds up back in Europe. But I'd go as high. I'd go for Secker. I'd go on a one year deal if I had the cap space. I'd go if I needed defensemen. Mm-hmm. If I had all those things. I'd go as high as three million dollars a year for mm-hmm. one year on a two year deal. Man, yeah, uh, I'd be looking more like two million, two million at two years. I think, and I'm a, so I and you can see from me saying this, I'm a huge believer in this player. Like, no, I, I know I didn't believe that he could come back, but he did come back. He, I thought he was re, he passed the test coming back against third pairing comp, uh, third uh, grit intensity competition in a mm-hmm. third pairing role in the Oilers. He passed that test. He went to play for Slovakia at the Worlds. He passed that test on a yep. top pairing playing 20, 25 minutes a game. So I think that Andre Secker actually has uh, quite a bit of value as an NHL player on a one-year deal. But then you'll know, like, we still don't know. So to go two years, I think you'd be crazy. So I'm okay with a bit of an overpay. Like like I say, $3 million could overpay on one year. But, but you'll know, like, if he comes through as a second-pairing D-man, that's a bargain contract at the NHL level. And I think there's a there's – a, it's a decent bet that he's going to come through at that. So if you're desperate for a D-man, I could see you going as high on, as that on a one-year deal. What I think he's going to get is about $1.5 million on a yeah. one-year deal. That's what I think is going to happen because I don't think other teams – I think I value him more. Maybe it's because I'm a fan or maybe because I, mm-hmm. you know, I've watched – maybe I'm right, uh, mm-hmm. but maybe probably because I'm a fan and, uh, and I value, overvalue him, but I, that's what I would give him, so – yeah, I mean we're all fans. I think, and I mean this is a hugely popular player, and this is a bitter pill for uh, oil fans. And and I've noticed over the time that we're talking about uh, ways of making cap space that people have fiercely defended this guy, uh, have consistently pointed the finger at Chris Russell as the guy to go over Andre Sekera, uh, even as Russell has played as many games in three years as Sekera did in four with the Oilers. Uh, even as Russell's cap hit is 1.5 million, which is like the cost of a hockey player, less than uh, than uh, Sekera's, and even as the buyout, as mentioned before, is only really one year of value for Russell versus uh, versus two for Sekera. Uh, I think they. I was hoping that maybe Russell would be traded because I thought they could get close to value. I mean, when I saw Justin Braun get traded for a second and third round pick with no retention, and you look at those two players. And I mean, they're not the same player, but they sure have a lot in common in terms of what you know what they've accomplished over their career, where they're at in their career, what their role is. Um, Russell but, has uh, a Russell has a. He could only be traded to ten teams. Maybe he doesn't want to be traded, and maybe like he gives the ten teams. It's his pick on the ten teams. He could give ten teams that are up against the cap and don't need a defenseman. Well, Sekera and Russell until today had no no movement clauses. So, I mean, Sekera was going to give a list tomorrow of 15 teams. And I, I very strongly suspect they went to him and his agent uh, one or two months ago and said, why don't you give us that list now? Because we're going to inquire around because we really don't want to have to buy you out. And you probably don't want that either. But of course, all that is is conducted in, in secrecy. And we're probably never going to find out, you know, what what did happen as they tried to move them. All we know is what didn't happen, which is they didn't move them. And so, but you know what, David, if you look at his role here in Edmonton, and I would, I would say that um, uh, 
the Andre Sekra we saw in 2016-17 was fairly comparable to what Lubomir Viznowski brought to the Edmonton Oilers during his brief but memorable tenure here in Edmonton. Uh, among the very finest uh, seasons of a defenseman that we've seen in uh, in a decade. Uh, but you know what? He went from his first year in Edmonton, he played 40% of his minutes against uh, elite competition. This is according to the uh, Puck IQ. Uh, uh, the You're talking about Sekra now. Sekra, advanced stat site set up by uh, local fellows. 40% in 2015-16. 35% in virtual tie with everybody in the top four in 16-17 uh, uh, against, uh, and then after the injury came back uh, uh, two years ago, 19%. And this past year, coming back from another injury, 18% against elite competition, by far the lowest on the team. And I just, when I wrote the Sucker season review a few weeks ago, uh, I compared. I said, what's that 18% mean, really? And in Calgary, they have uh, Yuso Valimaki, a rookie who played 19%. Rasmus Anderson, a rookie, 17%. Oliver Shillington, a rookie, 14%. And all their veterans, Giordano, 42%. Brody, 42%. Hamannick, 34%. You know, like, uh, Sakura really was being uh, deployed uh, so gingerly has to be comparable to a rookie. But, of course, rookies don't make 5.5 million. They don't make 3 million. They don't make 2.5 million. They make 900,000, you know. So they really tried to give him every advantage in terms of his comeback and maybe even pumping up his value. Uh, yeah. And I don't think they were doing well, that. I think they were just trying to, to help him settle they, back they in. Tried, they tried to get him fit where he could help the team the most. And him and Benning, they were, they were an okay uh, third pairing. But, you know, third-pairing D-men and 5.5 million, that just doesn't really go together. So the thing I like about this. Was he ready to take on more? Well, we don't know. The thing I like about this, Bruce, was uh, I really like Caleb Jones. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that they've recognized. You know, you have to make room for players who are ready. Mm -hmm. He's overripe. He's been there two years. He's excelled at that level of play. He excelled in a third-pairing role when he came to the Oilers and then crashed in in a top-pairing role. When he came to the orders, Caleb Jones did. So yes. you've got to make room for him. Mm-hmm. And they did. And I'm really glad that Caleb, this, this to me is a strong indication. Like they believe in this player. He's going to be on the Oilers this coming year. Like, thank goodness that, that we're not going to have like the same six defensemen who we had at the end of last year, all those veteran guys, they weren't cutting it and they, they've got to do something. So shake the box, you know, shake it up a little bit and see what comes out next. Now I, I would have preferred that that shake be again, than a trade. That trade mm-hmm. clearly wasn't there, so in the end, I'm okay. Like I'm not happy with this. Obviously, I'm a big Sekera fan, and I'm not happy mm-hmm. with how this has turned out. And I wish that Holland had found a way to make a trade. Was really thinking that that was a possibility either for Sekera or Russell, and I don't like the idea that maybe possibly they chose Russell over Sekera, like in terms of keeping a player. Like I, I, I could see the argument of buy. Like even though the Russell buyout was less good, it was still pretty good. And I, I, I like Sekera better than Russell, but I, Russell's been a decent, very solid defensive player. So it's, I don't, I'm not even going to get into that. So I think that's okay too. So anyway, I'm okay with this in the end. I'm not. Not to me, is that, is that buyout better? I mean, for Russell, it would have, would have been one year good, three years bad, because it would have cost them more to replace him next year than they saved on the cap. And then, of course, two years of penalty after that. 
And Chris Russell's a very useful player. Like he's a really solid defensive defenseman and he's a, and he's can play both sides of the ice. So um, there's that to be said for Chris Russell as well. And might've been harder in terms of trading Russell. It might just not have been possible. So then, so the, you're right. Then the only issue is whether you buy him out or not. And um, I, I think they probably would have, if they could have traded either one of these guys, they would have done it, but they couldn't. So the, the best buyout is Sekera. So done. Yeah, I guess that's the uh, that's the case. I mean, I, I, what I'm not going to do here is, is throw stones at Ken Holland for not doing due diligence because we just don't know what all went on behind the scenes. Uh, but the sad fact remains that uh, Oilers needed to uh, uh, have a little more cap space to address some of the concerns that they have. Uh, and as you say, you know, just a, an in-roster exchange of Secker for Caleb Jones that opens up about almost 2.3 million, which might be the difference between picking up a minor leaguer or picking up a, a solid NHL winger on the on the open market as early as tomorrow. Here's the bad news, Bruce. Mm-hmm. When you look at UFA signings on July 1st, July 1st UFA signings, and how many of them turn out? Yeah. Only about a third of them. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, when I say, and when I say only about a third of them, that means that means on their new contract, they play at least half of that new contract at peak or near peak. That's wow. to me, that's turning out. So, okay. you, you know, that's a fairly low bar mm-hmm. for turning out well, but only a third of them do. So, man, I'm not a big fan of lavishing money. And I hear the Oilers are out on Brett Connolly, out on Jonas Donskoy, and it doesn't break my heart to hear that, honestly, because I, I, I'm not that keen on an overpay, but... Anyway, we'll see what happens, Bruce. Hopefully, they can get a, make a decent deal with somebody uh, who can come in and play on the top line wing tomorrow. And uh, yeah. you know, well, maybe they to... maybe they circle back on Alex Chase on when all is said and done. Now they can give him the big bucks that he clearly warrants off the last season. I'm being I'm being facetious, but the the the, the idea that uh, scoring wingers are just readily available. Well, when you see the uh, feeding frenzy over Brett Connolly, it's kind of suggestive of otherwise that uh, they're, you know, they're not going to come cheap. And unfortunately, the the, uh, aftermath of the Shirelli era is that the Oilers are almost devoid of talented wingers. Yeah. Natural natural wingers. So, I mean, it, it, well, you have to get into it in the sense that they have to fix the problem somehow, and now they got a little bit more maneuverability in how they could do it. And, you know, my hope was that maybe they could, for instance, trade Chris Russell for maybe an overpaid winger who, you know, is getting more than he's worth, but at least is a proven NHL player that might, you know, uh, find the range on a line with the top-notch center like Edmonton has uh, in abundance. Uh, but clearly that didn't happen, and it went right down to the last day, June 30th. This was the deadline for buyouts, and so if anything was going to break, it was going to happen today, and unfortunately it broke for Andre Sekera. This is the third summer in a row something's broken for that poor fellow. All right, let's leave it there, Bruce. Thanks for talking. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.